before we begin, I do want to remind you that we will have our Christmas Eve service, and so uh, you want to be here on the 24th. That's a big community event, and that's in the evening there at 5 o'clock. All your information is here in the, in the worship guide, and so make plans, if you would, to join us for Christmas Eve and obviously every Sunday leading up to that. Speaking of Sunday, today we start a, a Christmas series. And that Christmas series is simply called Unplanned Christmas. Um, with, with Christmas, it seems like this is a time of year that there's lots of plans. In fact, when I, when I felt led to, to call this theme, this series, Unplanned Christmas, I was thinking, all right, Christmas is a time where, where people plan all the time. I mean, they, they plan, uh, you know, like for instance, you may have already have plans of where you're gonna go at Christmas, you may have your uh, vacation booked or where you're gonna go, where the parties, are, Christmas parties are gonna be, which crazy relative house your, your family and extended family is going to uh, arrive in order to spend time with one another. Uh, you may have already bought your presents and so there's a lot of planning with Christmas. But as you and I know, and the older you get, the more you realize this, is that a lot of unplanned things happen at Christmas. You ever, you ever realize that? It, it's, it's, it could be big things, or it could be little things. Like for instance, you may have a surprise visit from a cousin that just got out of parole, you know? Or, you know, at Christmas time. Or you may have a, you may have a food poisoning uh, from, your, uh, from your family uh, going out to dinner at Christmas, e- Christmas Eve. And then Christmas morning, instead of wrapping presents, you're filling up the toilet. You know what I'm saying? Or you may, uh, there may be uh, more drastic things, such as you may lose a loved one. There may be people here today who may be around Christmas time. You have lost a loved one in your family, and Christmas just brings those memories back. You may lose a job, may get evicted. Those kinds of things are, are big and they're serious, and they are not planned. There's lots of unplanned things that happen at Christmas. And what do we do with that? What do we do with those unplanned things? And then we can actually use what we're learning in the series and use it throughout the year. You know, my goal this morning is to give you hope and encourage you to face the unplanned distractions from a different vantage point, from God's angle. I want us to look at this Christmas story and all these unplanned events. Because even though there were a lot of unplanned events in this Christmas story, they were actually very much planned by God. In the eyes of man, it was a lot of unplanned distractions, but it was exactly what God designed, what God wanted. I'm sure you're familiar, I would imagine, with the Christmas story, where you had Mary, a virgin, had never been intimate with anyone, and you had an angel who appears and says, hey, um, by the way, you are chosen, and you are pregnant. And that sent shockwaves, not only to Mary, but to Joseph, the one in which the person in whom she was engaged. And she was conceived through the Holy Spirit, miraculously by God. And so Joseph obviously was in confusion. In fact, he wanted to silently 
divorce her or, or just break up, break up the marriage and just end it all. But fortunately, an angel came to him actually in a, in a dream, in a vision, and caught him up to speed. Hey, Joseph, here, here's what's really going on. And then not only that, you had, you had the Roman government stepped in, and you had a census that, was, that forced them to go from Nazareth, from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. And the reason why is because Joseph's family and his lineage was from Bethlehem. And so you had this, that mix up there, and they obviously traveled down to Bethlehem. And then while they were there, they had Jesus, and not in a hospital, but in a stable. And she actually laid him in a manger. You know, this, this simple story is filled with unplanned events, yet very much planned by a holy God. You know, it, it does start with an unplanned pregnancy. You know, sometimes we have unplanned pregnancies even when people who are married. <laughs> you know, we have things in our life, and, and Mary was in a situation where this unplanned pregnancy, it should never even have happened because it was humanly impossible as she was not intimate with anyone. You also have the unplanned trip. Can you imagine Mary in the latter stages of her pregnancy riding a donkey from Nazareth down to Bethlehem? And you also had the unplanned lodging while they were there, to where surely we're going to be able to find a place. I mean, she is showing big time, and who's going to say no to a pregnant woman, right? Well, they said no. There's no room. There was no room for them to stay, so they found a stable. And so they had to sleep with the animals like, like homeless people. I'm sure that was very frustrating for Joseph. Then you had the unplanned guests. Unplanned guests. Ladies, in this room, if, you have, if you've had a baby in the hospital before, and have you ever had anyone just kind of visit you after you, you know, gave birth, and you're wondering, why is that person here? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, I barely even know you. you know, or you have these, these these people, now obviously you want some people to come and visit, visit you, your, your close family members, but all of a sudden, you know, there's this crazy uncle who shows up and it's like, you know, I haven't seen you in three years, why are you here, you know what I'm saying? And so Mary, can you imagine Mary, she's, she's in a barn and she has, you know, strangers coming to see her, she has shepherds. They're like, hey, we, where's the party? We heard there's a party here. You know, some angels told us about, you know, this, this child that is lying in a manger. And so put, your, put yourself in her shoes and just think, would you want those strangers around you after you gave birth? Unplanned guests. Well, there seem to be a lots of unplanned events but they were planned by God, and there's a reason for this. And this is what I want to get in today. The whole Christmas story, and I want you to look at Christmas story in a kind of a new, kind of a different way this morning. So open your, open your mind, okay? And what I want you to realize is this, that Christmas, and we see evidence throughout Scripture, 
The Christmas story was a secret mission from God. It was a secret mission designed by God, filled with cover-ups and divine distractions. In fact, that's the title of my, my sermon this morning, Divine Distractions. Mary and Joseph would have not called them divine distractions. They would have called them frustrations. Why is this happening? Oh, my God. They, they, they would not have said there's anything, nothing really divine about this, except for maybe an angel visit. That's kind of pretty, that's pretty cool. But God designed this Christmas story in a way that it was a secret mission. And here's the reason why. It's because the enemy, Satan, was on the earth. Now, a little bit about Satan, about Lucifer. Lucifer was one of the three archangels. You have, you have uh, Gabriel, you have Michael, and then you had Lucifer. He was over the, uh, the worship of heaven. So his job, in fact, the Bible talks about how his being is, um, he has musical instruments in his being. You read that in some of, uh, in, in Ezekiel and uh, other areas in the prophets. And so Lucifer, one day, as he was leading worship, decided, hmm, I'm gonna keep some of that glory for myself. God said, nope, all glory comes to me. And he kicked him out, and a third of the angels went with him. All this is scripture. And so he sent Lucifer and a third of the angels in heaven down to earth to await the final judgment and to be able to be placed in hell where he will live for an eternity. And just a reminder, you've heard me say this before, that there's proof that, that hell was not created for you and me. It was not designed for us. It was designed for Satan and his demons, the former angels. And so Satan uh, will await his time, but in between now and then, he is doing everything he can to wreak havoc on this earth and mankind and to, uh, and to change the narrative of what God is doing on this earth. And he's confusing the world. He's bringing sin into the world. You and I can see that. You can see that happening in our culture, in our world, how evil is just getting stronger and stronger. And so, one thing you've got to understand also about Satan is this. Satan does not have the same attributes as God. For instance, God can be everywhere at all times and any time. He holds time in his hand. Satan does not have that ability. Satan cannot be everywhere. Now, a third of the, of the, of the angels, of those demons, and I don't know how many that is, probably a lot, you know, they, they could be at, you know, at different places, but even them, the demons, they cannot, each demon cannot be in multiple places. It's called omnipresent. Satan does not have the authority, does not have the ability, does not have those attributes that God shares. Also, another thing about Satan is that he does not have the Holy Spirit to enlighten him. 
See, when you and I accept Christ as Savior, we get a part of God within us. You have the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You get a part of the Trinity that comes inside you and lives inside you as the, the, the church was born through the Holy Spirit as we see this, that in Acts chapter two. And so you and I have direct connection and we can, we can use their spiritual gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit to do an amazing things. In fact, Jesus said, you will do greater things than I even did. And so Satan does not have that ability to look at things and to perceive things into the future. He only can rely on what he can figure out. He cannot predict what God is going to do. Now, there's things in Scripture, and I'll get to that in a moment. There's things in Scripture that, that Satan can read and Satan knows because Satan definitely knows this Bible. He knows the Word. And so the only thing he knows is what's in the Scripture, and there may be patterns of what God can do, but he does not know the future. He doesn't know what's going to happen next. He's just trying to kind of figure it out. You know, um, that alone should, should change the way we look at evil and Satan. Satan is just a created being who is limited in power. Now, is he powerful? Yes, but he is still very much limited in power. And the Apostle Paul brings up this really interesting point in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is not our main script passage of Scripture, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8, it says this, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of this world or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden, see, secret mission, that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What, what he is saying is this. The rulers of this world, Satan, and Satan was behind all the, the, the Pharisees and, and the Roman government and, and, and crucifying Christ. But what Paul is saying here is that if they really knew what was gonna happen, they never would have crucified Christ. You see, there's things in Scripture we read in, in, in Isaiah and the other prophets, how it foretells what Jesus will go through. By his stripes we are healed. Those verses like that. And there are many other verses where it talks about how Christ will be. Now, it didn't say Jesus like, we don't, we don't even see the name Jesus until Jesus comes on the planet. In fact, he's called Emmanuel. That's not his name, but he's just called God with us. It's more of a, it's more of a title. He's God with us. And so we have the prophets tell us that, yes, he will be smitten, but nowhere in the prophets do we have where Jesus is going to rise from the dead. 
Now, Jesus foretold that to his disciples while he was here, just a, a little bit before he, he actually went to the cross. And the disciples didn't really clue in on the fact until after the resurrection and after he ascended into heaven and after they got the Holy Spirit. They were clued in. They're like, oh, it's all becoming clear now. And so Satan was not anticipating the resurrection. Didn't you know about the cross? He could see that coming. We see it in Scripture. But what's interesting about the resurrection, that was a surprise to Satan. It was a surprise to everybody. Think about it. If it was not a surprise, there would have been a big, huge party right there in front of the tomb ready for him to rise up from the dead. Except there were just a, a few ladies who showed up who was gonna, they were gonna try to get into the, the tomb and didn't figure out how to roll the stone away because they didn't really think about that, but they were gonna, you know, try to, you know, give, help his body and, and, and put spices and perfumes and, you know, some other things that you do to a body when it's in a, when it's in a tomb. And, but it was a surprise was a surprise even to Satan himself. So if Satan knew that three days later Jesus is going to rise from the dead, he never would have let the cross happen. He, he would have he done everything he could. Now, he couldn't have stopped God's plan, obviously, but he would have done everything he could to stop it. He didn't. He did everything he could to move it forward. And so Satan, it was a big surprise to Satan in the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. So just like the uh, resurrection story, the Christmas story is very similar. Satan doesn't know exactly what's going to happen. The only thing Satan knows is the place. And we see this in Micah. Micah was one of the prophets. We see this in this one simple verse, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says this, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. That's a clue. Ancient times from of old He's a ruler. Hey, he could be talking about the Messiah. You, you connect that with other prophecies. Hey, but now we have a place. We know where this is all going to go down. It's Bethlehem. And so I can imagine. This isn't in the Bible, but you can just imagine Satan knowing that after Micah prophesied this and wrote it down. Satan's like, all right, we know that God's going to send his son Jesus, and we know the place. I can just imagine him sending all of his demonic forces in and around Bethlehem and, and Jerusalem. Bethlehem is just really kind of a, a suburb of Jerusalem. And so, in fact, that's one reason why in the, in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see demonic forces invade that area while, while Jesus walked in the earth. I don't know how many times Jesus says 
this or, or, or the, the writers say this, but, but Jesus was constantly driving demons out of people, like all the time. And so he walked from here to there and he casts out demons and he casts out demons. Oh, look, there's Jesus casting out more demons. Oh, there's another demon he's, passed, he's cast out. And so you have all of these, these demons around and I've often wondered why that was the case. Well, the reason is Jesus was on the planet. And so Micah prophesied where it was going to happen. They're ready. They're watching. They're keeping their eyes on a young pregnant couple around Bethlehem, maybe Jerusalem area, and they're watching, and they're waiting, and they're waiting, and they're waiting for hundred years. That's a long time. From that prophecy to Jesus, over 400 years. They're waiting. And so this leads into some of the divine distractions that God implemented in his secret mission to bring Jesus to the world, a covert operation in the dark of night, so the enemy Satan will not know all of the information. Number one, we have the distraction, the divine distraction of time. Just like I said, 400 years. I mean, can you imagine waiting 400 years for something? Now, Satan, I'm sure, has waited a long time for other things, but they were ready. Micah prophesied. All right, when is it going to happen? 400 years. Sometimes God will cause the distraction of time in order to implement his plan. The same can happen in our, in our lives as well. You ever wanted that job? You ever, you ever are, are, you, are you waiting on God for something? Are you waiting on an answer? Are you waiting for God to help you in a situation? Are you waiting for God to, to help you with, with a, a medical issue? Are you waiting? Can I tell you something this morning, church? God is helping you to wait in this time if you rely upon him. And it very well could be a divine distraction because you don't know what God has planned. And God has great plans, especially for those who love him. And so, understand this. Just like Mary and Joseph, I mean, just like the story of Christmas, God will cause things like time lapse and waiting period. Now, we all know this is not going to be 400 years in your life, but it could seem like 400 years. So just wait encourage you, wait for God to implement his plan at just the right time. So we see how God used the distraction of time in his covert operation. The second thing God used in this story is the distraction of people's background. The distraction of, of people's background. You see, and I, and I love how God did this. Satan is, is, is he's thinking Bethlehem. Micah said it, Bethlehem. He's thinking, all right, who are the young couples getting, getting together 
in Bethlehem. I'm going to kind of wait. No, that's not them. No, not them. As a child grows up, no, that's not Jesus. He just, you know, he's not living a, a life, you know, worthy to be called Christ. And, and so he's taking Bethlehem. What does God do? He calls a couple from where? Nazareth. Far north of the kingdom. And so he calls a couple from Nazareth who, uh, who has ties to Bethlehem. So he will use people's background where they live and also what they do. And we see this in, in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 32. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, as I read a little bit of, the, of this Christmas story, it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth was a cousin of Mary and the mother of John the Baptist, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will be, will give him the throne of his father, David. And so you have this story that takes, that begins not in Bethlehem, but it begins in Nazareth. That's God's way of secretly bringing Jesus into the world without Satan realizing it. Another thing about their, about their life is this. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Even when Jesus was, he, he, he grew up and started his ministry, people said, he's from Nazareth? There's nothing that good comes out of Nazareth. There's no way. And so the fact that they were from Nazareth, Satan is thinking, all right, Nothing good is going to come out of that. I've seen God. I've been in heaven. I know the splendor and the majesty. He's not going to call the parents of, 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 his, of his son. He's not going to call the parents out of Nazareth. You kidding me? Nothing good comes out of there. And just if, if by chance a, a demon was in Nazareth and was watching and kind of seeing young couples getting married, and, having, and being pregnant, you know what they would have found? They would have found Mary and Joseph in a bad situation. She's pregnant out of marriage. Because she was. And in fact, that means that, hey, we gotta take you out back and, and stone you. It, it, was a, it was a big sin. And so, through the grace of God, they, they walked through that and but Satan, even if he knew about Mary and Joseph, he never would have clued in on the fact, okay, so this, these people here are having a child out of wedlock. Uh, no, God's not going to use that. God's not going to use that. Why would God use that? 
God would never choose a couple living in sin. Of course, now we know they were not really living in sin. It was a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph did marry her. And obviously, they were married when they went to Bethlehem. And so, how do we bring that home to us? Maybe, maybe you live in sort of a, a Nazareth. Maybe you, you feel like where, where you're from or maybe your family background is sort of a, a, a Nazareth. Like nothing, nothing, good's come, nothing good comes out of here, out of my family. Or nothing good comes out of this situation where I live or where I'm from. Maybe, or maybe you, you have a lifestyle and you're like, you know, I, I, I've just, I've lived in sin. Nothing's, gonna, nothing's good going to come out of me. Can I tell you something? God is telling you this. Something good can come out of this. He may use even your bad situation. And he will not only surprise others, but he can surprise even you as you draw your life to him and as you give your life to him and your heart to him. He can turn your life around and surprise your socks off. I see, I see it happen all the time. Someone who used to live this lifestyle, now they're living totally changed, following Jesus. So don't think because you're from Nazareth or you have lived in sin or the things you've done that God cannot use you. That is a lie. And God surprised Satan with that. So God uses the, the divine distraction of time, the people's background. He also uses the distraction of chaos. And we, and we see this with the chaos that Mary and Joseph had to go through. So you had the, the Roman government God used the Roman government, and God does use government, as we see in Proverbs 21.1. It says, in the Lord's hand, the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels toward all who please him. In other words, God directs the plans and the hearts of rulers, kings, presidents. And so, God directs the powerful government of Rome to do what? To call, call for a census. We gotta count everybody in the Roman government. Of course, the Roman Empire included Israel, Judah, obviously Bethlehem. And so what people had to do, they had to go to where their family originated from, which obviously with Joseph was Bethlehem. So God caused this huge chaos to happen at the time of Christ's birth. I mean, think about it. Mary and Joseph walking into, walking into Bethlehem, by, at, at any other time, that would have notified Satan and his, and, his, and his demons immediately. They would have been like, oh, here's this couple. They're walking into Bethlehem, and she's very pregnant. But what God did is this. He caused mass chaos. Thousands of people coming into Bethlehem. Small town. Small bedroom community outside of Jerusalem. And 
they, they really flew under the radar. They flew under the radar. In fact, they come in in the dark of night, and they would have been practically invisible with the crowds. They would have just merged right in. And if by chance Satan saw Mary and Joseph and saw, wait, they're, they're in a barn. I feel sorry for them. He probably wouldn't have said that. But they're in a barn. I know, I know God. And yeah, he kicked me out of heaven. But I used to be there. I used to live there. I know his majesty. There's no way God will allow his son to be born in a barn. No way. Can you imagine what, what Lucifer, what Satan has seen in heaven? And the splendor and the majesty and the beauty. He's not going to be born in a barn. He's not going to be laid in a feeding trough? Are you kidding me? God's plan. His covert operation. His secret mission. Oh, come on. Royalty doesn't stay in a barn. Yes, it did. So God uses the divine distraction of time, the distractions of, of people's background, chaos. We also see relocation. We see this. As Mary and Joseph began to settle into Bethlehem, because they, they didn't leave right as Christ was born. In fact, they weaned him a, a bit, and, and they, they settled in there. They, they were able to get a house in there in, in Bethlehem. They didn't just live in the barn. After the chaos left, um, Joseph began to settle in. And then we have the Magi, the, the wise men who traveled from the Far East, came, presented gifts to Christ. Many biblical scholars say, say that Christ uh, would have been a toddler at this point. And so they visited Jesus, and while they were there, they caused a little bit of a, a stir with King Herod. Because King Herod, who was a very evil man, King Herod of, uh, over there, uh, King of Judah, and King Herod uh, was uh, very egotistical, and he had a huge chip on his shoulder, and, and he did not um, like the fact that there would be another potential king born. So when the, the kings, when the wise men came to Jerusalem first and talked to Herod, they said, yeah. It says he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And so, help us, help us find Bethlehem. We're here to receive this king. I mean, they thought, man, Herod, you ought to be, you ought to be excited about it. You know, we have, you have a king born. And so, the magi, the wise men, were telling Herod this, and in the meantime, Herod was conjuring up a way to stop this from happening. And so the wise men visited Mary and Joseph. Herod was kind to them. But in a dream, God warned the wise men, telling them, 
Do not go the same way you went. Go a different way. And because something's about to come down. And they told Joseph what was going to happen. And what happened is that King, King Herod ordered that the male infants and toddlers be killed. And so it happened. All part of Satan's plan. Satan probably put that in Herod's mind, in his heart. Because now you have, you have wise men here. You have people who read the prophets and they've come and they said, hey, you have a king that's been born here. But in the dark of night, Mary and Joseph snuck away and went all the way to Egypt. They stayed there until after King Herod died and then they moved back to Nazareth where Mary and Joseph lived before. And so you have this sort of relocation to escape this search and destroy mission by King Herod to kill those young baby boys. So what does this speak to us today? You know, are, are you facing maybe an, an, un, an unexpected, unplanned relocation in your life? Maybe you have a job, school, a home. You know, it, if that's the case, then I would say this, that if that is happening, then God has a divine plan with that. Let me say, well, Frank, I don't really think that me losing my job is a divine plan. If you trust in Christ, if you follow God, then it is a divine plan. And just rest in that. And just know that he's got everything under control. He's got a plan. He knows things about your life that you don't know. And so God knew what Herod was going to do. He warned Mary and Joseph, you need to get out of here and you need to go far away until this man dies, this evil man. And so that's what happened. And yes, no one wants to get up and move. They, they, they were settled in Bethlehem. But no, they had to relocate and go to a, a different country, different language, different culture, different everything. But that was part of God's distraction. Can you imagine Satan thinking this? Okay, we finally got him. Those, those wise men came. Those wise men came and they, they said that this king is here. King Herod killed them all. All right, we got him. No, you didn't. Because what happens is they go back to, to go back to Nazareth and they live a simple life, which I'm calling the last divine distraction. See, how can a simple life be a distraction? Well, in Jesus' case, it really was a distraction. Because Jesus, he, he, he didn't grow up in Nazareth as a, as a super boy 
who was, who, were, who was doing miracles all the time. Can you imagine as a kid and you had some supernatural powers and abilities, be able to heal things and cause things? I mean, can you imagine how many times he's walking on the water at the neighbor's pool? You know what I'm saying? I mean, all of the things that Jesus could be able to do. No, he lived a simple life out of sight, out of the way. He learned his father's trade, a very simple, humble trade of carpentry. And he was very, very quiet and silent all the way to age 30. 30 years old. Imagine that. He's living this quiet life up until the age of 30. And in fact, Satan finally gets an idea and confirmation of who this son of God is. Whenever John the Baptist sees Jesus coming, says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He shouts it out. Jesus comes, he's baptized, Holy Spirit is there, it's a big moment, it starts his ministry, Satan, we got him. We know where he is. We know his name. His name is Jesus. He's right here. He's 30 years old, calling all demons. Come here. What did Jesus do next? The Bible says as soon as he was baptized, he did what? He went into the wilderness. He went into the wilderness by himself and fasted and prayed for 40 days. But guess who was with him? Satan. Satan was with him because we know in God's word, he tempted Jesus. Of course, Jesus just put all of those temptations in their place by, by quoting scripture. And so you have Jesus in the desert being tempted by, by the devil. Finally, after all the resisting, which that's all you gotta do to defeat the, the devil. Just resist. That's what the Bible says. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's exactly what Jesus did. He resisted him, and he fled, and then Jesus was ministered to by angels. And that was the beginning of his ministry. So how do we relate that to our life? You know, maybe, maybe you feel like you're just living a simple life, a life of just, I don't know, you're kind of bouncing around a little bit, don't really have too much purpose. We find this a lot, especially in young people and young adults, and, and even some older adults as, as they kind of move from one stage of life to the next, and they're just not really sure what's next and how to handle this life and how to move from, from point A to point B to point D and E and F, and, and they're just kind of at a loss. Maybe you're in that kind of stage. I'm gonna let you know that if you trust in God, you follow after God, you love him with all your heart, he is going, he is going to use you in his time. He's going to show you 
your greater purpose. He's going to show you your greater assignment. He's going to let you know how you fit into all of his plans. So just live that simple life of connecting with God, connecting with the church, and you will have that greater fulfillment in your life. So when, when something unplanned occurs in our life, you know, we often, we often blame God because it just messes things up. You know what? Unplanned things happen around our house all the time. We don't like it when there's water damage that does all kinds of, wreaks all kinds of havoc in our, in our life and messes things up. And in the moment, I don't ever think, well, God bless you. You must be doing something. You're going to do something through this. And I mean, I'm just like, what in the world? Why is this happening in frustration and questions? And, and, and I know that's a simple thing, that there's even bigger things that are happening in your life. Major disappointments. And you're thinking, why is this happening? And some things happen again and again and again. Can I tell you something? Those unplanned things, they're orchestrated by God to fit his divine plan. You and I, our job is to trust in him to where he's going to show us how we fit in his greater scheme in his life, in, 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 in what he's doing in the world. Because you know what? It's not about us. It's about God and what he is doing and what he wants to do. You know, this, this story of Christmas, lots of unplanned frustrations, lots of unplanned happenings. You know, a lot of tears are shed, lots of fear. But through it all, they trusted in God. They obeyed him every step of the way. And God protected them. And so we see sort of behind the scenes of Christmas why God did what he did. He did what he did to where Satan wouldn't, wouldn't know, wouldn't disrupt everything that was going on. And that he had a covert operation and brought Jesus into the world, his son into the world at just the right time. What you may see as unplanned, God sees as very much planned at Christmas and every day of the year. Would you bow with me in prayer? I want you to just think about your life and just think, Maybe there's some unplanned things that have happened recently, and you're like, hmm, yeah, that, that, that's me. What, what Pastor Frank was just talking about, that, that fit that situation perfectly. Or maybe there, there's something kind of on the horizon. Maybe you kind of feel a disturbance coming or, or something. Just know this. All of that is part of God's plan. So just not right, just right now, in the quietness of this room. I just want you to, 
I just want you to say in the way you know how, either in your heart or verbally, just to say, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. Can you just say something else like, God, I believe in you. Your plan is bigger than my plan. If you're sitting here today and you're like, you know, Frank, I've never, I've never really surrendered my life to Christ. I would love to have the Holy Spirit to, to know maybe what God is doing in the world and how I can be a part of that. I would love to have this weight of sin removed from my life. And I know that Jesus is the only one that can do that. If that is you, it just takes a simple prayer. God, I believe you sent Jesus to die for me. I believe in you, Jesus. Please forgive me my sin. Please come into my life. Be Lord of my life and help me live for you.